0: Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics, and emerging issues. I am your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I am bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. So, can I start by asking you to introduce yourself, please?
1: Sure. So I am Marnia Angley and I'm based in Adelaide and have been a registered pharmacist for many years, more than 30 years. Um, I have a um, background in academia, so I was a um, research and teaching academic for 20 years and I'm accredited, I'm an advanced practice pharmacist and my special interests are aged care, general practice, disability, and um, from a research point of view, um, I particularly have an interest in um, quality of medicines in people with intellectual and developmental disability and also in continuity of care. Thank
0: you. Um, I thought I'd ask about the previous government announced funding for embedded pharmacists in aged care. So if, if you could talk to me about how this came about, including the Aged Care Royal Commission.
1: Um, well, um, evidence from the Royal Commission and um, evidence from um, various research studies which identified that residents um, in aged care uh, had their medicine safety compromised. Um there's a particular focus on um, overuse of uh, antipsychotics as chemical restraint, but there were general medication safety concerns led to the announcement of the previous government um, committing uh, $345.7 million um, to fund aged care pharmacists embedded within, so on the ground, um, in aged care facilities. And this commitment was matched by the current government, who have very recently um, flipped on that and uh, indicated that as a sweetener of sorts to the community pharmacy sector, that these uh, clinical pharmacist roles will now be outreach from community pharmacies. And clearly that's a very different service that will be provided and it won't meet the concerns that were flagged in the Royal Commission and it is not a role that aligns with what has been proven to be effective and improve medication-related outcomes in resident safety in aged care. So, you know, it's devastating really um, to the residents. Uh, and also to the facilities um, where they reside. So
0: what the government is currently proposing um, and the gap as to where what was promised before, can you tell us a little bit more about that and if there would be any way to maybe um, like amend that to better meet the needs of the residents?
1: Well, the devil's in the detail, really. We don't know what. The government have in mind for those outreach roles, and um, we don't even know what the requirements are for those roles, whether they're on-site or outreach. And I attended an APC forum last week where uh, that uh, is still being bedded down. Um, but on the face of it, an outreach role will not be able to match an on-site role. Um, I'm very, very sympathetic for the community pharmacy sector and this 60-day dispensing um, change. Um, I've been reading the comments in social media and reading articles, and I know that community pharmacists are professionals, and we're all, all one profession, and they are doing their best Um, to supply medicine safety and provide medicine safety to the aged care sector and um, to have a safety net in place. But it's a very, very different role. And and I realise that they're doing um, things for free for the sector, such as subsidising dosage administration aids and free deliveries and out of hours um, services. They do a great job, but it is very different. To what I do um, in my role as a contracted aged care pharmacist so currently I have um, contracts with um, six facilities um, in metro Adelaide um, it amounts to 350 beds so I'm a very small player but what I do provide is a very high quality service um, and the remuneration is um, limited um, and I try and give the government and the facilities I service bang for buck. So in addition to comprehensive residential medication management reviews um, and through the QM services, I do things like I I chair the MAC meetings um, and do the minutes as well and I do quarterly audits um, and I use software called Cumulus which um, does audits for a whole bunch of medicines not only psychotropics but other medicines such as statins and PPIs, um, anticholinergics. Um, In addition to that, I produce medication guides, which are like information leaflets that I upload to the uh, the Mm -hmm. care software so that that's available um, as an education tool for staff as well as um, family and decision makers. Um, I help with the ACNAPS, the Aged Care National Antimicrobial Prescribing Survey when that's done um, every year. Um, I provide drug information. I would do all of this um, relatively remotely. I mean, I'm on the ground some of the time, But if I was embedded or someone like me was embedded, um, you can really make a huge difference, as has been shown in the trials. So support GP workflow, um, support nursing workflow, interact with uh, lifestyle staff so that you can ensure if you are recommending um, psychotropic deprescribing, then an appropriate behaviour support plan is in place. So you can liaise and link up and optimize that set of circumstances for the um, residents. So acknowledging the great work that community pharmacy does, they are not going to be so invested in the medicine safety side of things. Supply is going to be their priority and they have a business to run. They've taken risk for that business. Um, If someone needs to have an antipsychotic deprescribed, for example, that's a laborious and challenging task. And there needs to be constant liaison with the the resident, their family, um, the prescriber and the rest of the care team around the person. And that is not going to be a priority for an outreach community pharmacist. So the roles are very, very different, and I don't think that the current government, and, and possibly not the previous government, fully understand the potential and the difference between a community pharmacy service and an embedded service. So it's, it's very disappointing from a professional point of view as well because it's a great opportunity for a pharmacist to integrate all of their skills and to work from within the team as part of the team and being central to the team and being the medicine safety steward. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm guessing the concerns are shared a
0: lot with the pharmacists that have been working with aged care homes as well. It's because you've got your community and the same concerns are shared with everyone.
1: Um, Certainly uh, consultant pharmacists working in the sector are, very very concerned very very worried not necessarily for themselves there's plenty of work in the pharmacy sector um but they're worried about the residents that they care for and the residents um and the facilities are also concerned so there was a um a media release from the they've changed from Lasa the leading aged care service Association to the um aged and community care providers so, A-C-C-P-A, confusing because it sounds a lot like AACP. Um, So they also uh, have indicated that this news is unwelcome. It's disappointing as it is surprising.
0: So moving forward, do you think there, uh, what could this ideally look like? So with the situation that we've currently been put in,
1: how could it be maximised or made the best out of? Uh, Well, the best thing to happen is for this decision to be revoked, Um, but I doubt very much that that is going to happen. I can't imagine the government um, would do that because they would lose face. Um, Moving forward, if it has to be from community pharmacy, um, then that time has to be quarantined on the ground. The funding cannot be used to fund um, or to cross-subsidise dosage administration aids or trolleys or free deliveries. Um, The money has to be quarantined to improve medicine safety for residents. Um, And I've worked also in a community pharmacy that supplies to aged care, so I know the stress that they're under. And I know the profit margin is not very high. I know interest rates are going up and these community pharmacies have mortgages. They have enormous risk unless it is absolutely uh, not negotiable that it's anything other than quarantine time on the ground in facilities. There may be some room for remote uh, service um, where these days with electronic medication management records, you can do a medication review uh, in part, at least. You can get your medicine list and all the associated information from the EMMR and the care package remotely. So, but it cannot be done from within the four walls of a community pharmacy because the minute someone's sick, short-staffed, the aged care pharmacist is going to be pulled in so that the pharmacy door can open. And it's inevitable that, there'll be a pull um, to uh, the actual four walls of the community pharmacy. And that that is a great risk. I think while all pharmacists operate within the PSA um, standards and we work within a code of ethics and the vast majority of community pharmacists are doing an amazing job and are very patient-centred. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it's like choosing between your children. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul. So the – Age care role has to be quarantined. The time for that role has to be quarantined in the funds.
0: So you've mentioned the lack of consultation with pharmacists and um, with pharmacists that work specifically with aged care. I guess I'd probably get your thoughts about the lack of consultation and these announcements that you didn't know were coming.
1: Well, absolutely. It has actually blindsided us. Many of us have been working with our facilities um, in anticipation of the transition. Like, as I said, I, I look after um, I provide services to six facilities. There's no way I could do six embedded roles. Um, I have three um, pharmacists who help me with the RMRs, and I should say that those pharmacists elect to work in this role because they've got young children and they need flexibility, they enjoy um, the fact that um, they can achieve some sort of work-life balance. But I've been working with those pharmacists and preparing them to take on these roles. So all of those plans that have been happening over the last couple of years um, have been sabotaged. Uh, There has been some consultation Quite extensive consultation, but it appears the current government has actually ignored um, everyone else's voice apart from one key stakeholder. Um, But it's not only the pharmacists who are saying that our um, contribution to the consultation has been ignored. It's also the aged care providers, it's the GPs, it's the geriatricians. All of those stakeholders had been feeling very optimistic about this new role um as well as the consultant pharmacists who are really um excited about this new role let's face it aged care is not the sexiest place for most health professionals to work but for pharmacists aged care is like when we really shine when we really come into our own and um, the older people get polypharmacy, pharmacy multi-mobility that is our happy place and embedded within it is where we can really show our value to the team and the outreach role is just not going to fulfil the expectations for all stakeholders for that role. So um, to be quite frank, it just beggars belief that the Aged Care Royal Commission recommendations and all the research has been ignored in this decision and it is denying uh, what the Aged Care residents amongst our most vulnerable Australians have not been considered in this decision. It's just a knee-jerk, uninformed, um, bad policy decision. So I guess I'd ask
0: what your view... So for accredited pharmacists, and for the residents, what do you think might be some of the potential outcomes for them in the short term and the long term um, if this goes ahead the way that it's proposed?
1: Well, I actually think it's a step backwards from the current QUM and RMMR model, which we know is not perfect. Um, so I think because community pharmacy with all the pressures that they're facing at the moment with interest rates going up, with uh remuneration to them because of the 60-day change being lower. Um, I think that a suboptimal service is going to deteriorate. So we'll see things like um polypharmacy or inappropriate polypharmacy increase, just to give you an example. So Statins and PPIs, so medications that don't have any, um don't have adverse effects of the magnitude of, say, psychotropics. One of uh, my activities is to focus on deprescribing of those. They cost the PBS a lot of money. So activities such as those just simply won't occur, won't be a priority. And so there will be not only harm to residents, there'll be harm to the taxpayer because those cost savings won't occur. Um, Things like running the medication advisory committees, which is something I do. Not all uh, consultant aged care pharmacists do that, but that has been flagged as a key role for the embedded pharmacist. That's not going to happen by outreach community pharmacies. And that is a great opportunity to um, contribute to clinical governance. For example, um, medication incidents are discussed, Um, audit results are discussed and quality improvement activities occur as a result of those discussions, none of that sort of thing is going to happen. So it's going to be a deterioration in medicine safety. And I don't mean to be alarmist, but it's pretty obvious so rather than um, continuous improvement from a medicine safety point of view, um, it's a step backwards. And I think previous problems identified in the Royal Commission um, simply won't be addressed. And it doesn't make any sense that all of that, those funds, all of those brains have been put together to produce these recommendations, very, very strong recommendations. I mean, neglect is what that interim report was called. It's just going to be a continuation of neglect. And that's a human rights issue.
0: That was going to be my next question. The um, significant amount of work that has gone into the embedded pharmacist model from the departmental consultations to large grants through the MRFF. Has this effort gone to waste?
1: Well, on the face of it, um, yes. And if the QM and the RMMR programs are canned, it's not just waste. It's actually sent us backwards, back to the dark ages. guess I'd
0: ask you about any advice you might have for pharmacists about how they can prepare for aged care funding if it goes ahead as proposed.
1: Well, at the end of the day, as as professionals and people who care about our patients, you know, we can't just throw arms up in the air and leave the profession. So don't do that, even though it's tempting. <laughs> I mean, already uh, per hour, um, we're amongst the most poorly um, remunerated health professionals. Um, those of us who stick at it, and try um, and define new roles. Do it for no other reason other than uh, we have uh, a, a, a passion for improving outcomes for our patients, particularly vulnerable ones. Um, so stick at it. You know, if you have to curl up in the fetal position for a few days, you know, go go do that. Um, look after you know your your yourself, but dust yourself off. Um, we've done it before with caps on HMRs um, and just try and reinvent yourself um, into this new role and give it give it your best shot. But set the boundaries. Um, and I think we need a team line that this role has to be quarantined purely for on the ground medicine safety, clinical governance, resident-related activities, you know, talking to families, decision-makers, working with staff, um, and absolutely being firm about that. Um, it's the only way forward. So I guess at the end of the day, you know, remember that it's it's about the people. It's really uh, the people we care for. Um, and as a profession, we all need to work together. Um, and, you know, argy-bargy within our own profession isn't helpful and it certainly isn't helpful for the residents that we want the best for.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to share about the aged care funding?
1: Probably nothing particularly, but just to reiterate, I guess, that um, the, the government have made a knee-jerk decision. It seems simply to appease one particular stakeholder group. And just to highlight that not all community pharmacies have aged care contracts. So it's not fair even to the community pharmacy sector because that 345 million is only going to go to the pharmacies that have um supply contracts and hence therefore will have an accompanying outreach pharmacist i presume that would be the only way it would make sense so we have to be sympathetic to all those other community pharmacies who don't service um, aged care providers so it's really not benefiting anyone um in our sector and and we need to work with organizations like the aging community care providers and the australian association of gerontology and the racgp um, and um, racp so we've got um uh, psychiatrists who work in aged care and other specialists as well um and i guess just get some momentum um to ensure that if we have to stick with this change that it's quarantined for the on-site um absolutely 100 dedicated to residents role
0: so, and I might ask um, for the accredited pharmacist perspective as well with the 60-day dispensing, um, just um, how, what are some of the thoughts um, for that group of pharmacists about the 60-day dispensing and what impact it will make on their roles?
1: Well, I guess it's something to keep in mind is a lot of consultant pharmacists are also community pharmacists. So um, we sort of think of a them and us uh, Uh, but in reality, most of us do different roles. Um, So from the 60-day dispensing point of view, I mean, the problems that are foreseeable from that are stockpiling, um, the medicine shortages, uh, issues, um, uh, risk of misuse and overdose and that sort of thing. So these are things that, so continuity of supply and um, reducing risk uh, with respect to adherence and so on, uh, all, all things that we address in um, home medicine review. So it's just about being hyper vigilant um, to those issues and just being able to problem solve those new issues that are going to arise on top of everything else. So um we certainly need to be mindful of um, uh, the, the risks associated with, with those changes. Most of the issues that are concerning um, aged care consultant pharmacists we've covered. But as I said, right at the outset, the devil's in the detail of this program. I don't think the government have um, really thought it through Um, so it's time to be noisy. And um, if we put the residents in aged care at the centre of all of our thinking and decision-making, hopefully um, we'll come up with a model uh, that isn't worse than the current model um, and will be somewhat better. Uh, My preliminary discussions with the aged care services I provide is like, well, we won't change to a new model Um, We would rather stick with the model we know. So they think that the devil they know is better than this unknown, on the face of it, um, less effective model. So they'll be resisting the change. So initially with the embedded on-site aged care roles, um, that was going to be a phased in uh, starting from July 1. Well, initially it was January 1, 2023, but they've bumped it to July 1. And I believe that has been... Um, extended, but we don't know to when anyway. But it was going to be a phased-in introduction. Um, I had understood it to be 20 to 30% in the first year, another 20 to 30% in the second year, and so on and so on. Um, so my facilities have already committed to not embracing the new model until um, they absolutely have to. Um, so with that in mind and the fact that uh, MRN MRN numbers um, expire uh, June 30 and some uncertainty around that. <laughs> I'm not sure where that all leaves it. So I think that is another point to highlight is that this change at short notice and the uncertainty um, is pretty excruciating <laughs> for um, aged care consultant pharmacists but everyone else to varying degrees. So no one's not impacted. Mm.
0: Thank you. I've learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: thank you for the opportunity. I hope I've um, uh, represented our sector uh, as well as possible.
0: I think uh, everyone's focused so much on the 60-day dispensing. I think this is going to give so much more information and context because it's both parts. Um, yes, yes. So, no, I think it's going to be fantastic
1: oh, to, good.
0: for the audience to... Learn and listen.
1: (laughs) Yes, great.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP Podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP Podcast and send us a message.